Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Everybody, welcome to this special hockey happy hour version of the Our Line Starts podcast. Liam McHugh in New York, Keith Jones in Jersey. We're going to be joined by Rick Tockett in just a bit, the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. You know, Jonesy, I had Boosh and Sharpie on uh, for our last podcast. We're talking about how we missed each other because basically we just missed busting on each other, pulling pranks on each other. So it got me to thinking, best prank you were involved with as a player. It was done by Dale Hunter, actually, Liam, and it was prior to me playing with him, but he passed it on to all of us, which I was really happy about. He was playing for the Quebec Nordiques. Every Friday night, there was a lottery in Canada uh, for a million dollars or more at that time, and uh, the players would all buy tickets individually. And the bus driver after the game on that Friday night would then read out the numbers over the loudspeaker, and everyone would check their tickets to see how they had done. There was a guy named J.F. Sove, Bob Sove's brother, I believe, who uh, was a younger guy, kind of a fringe player, but uh, loved the lottery. So they got a hold of his ticket prior to the game out of his suit jacket, took the numbers, wrote them down, and handed them to the bus driver. And unbeknownst to J.F. Sove, uh, his numbers were already in the hands of the bus driver. He sat down at the back of the bus. Everybody got ready. And the bus driver started the numbers, and Hunsey said he was staring at Solvay the whole time. And as each number was read, you could see him sit up a little higher in his seat, a little higher in the seat. And finally, whatever the last number, five, was announced, he jumped out of his seat, ran down, told the coach where he could stuff it, walked off the Boston celebration, and Hunsey said they, they loved it for a second and then couldn't believe how far he took it because it was way more money than he was making, and he was tired of sitting on the bench. So he took that moment to uh, send a message to the head coach on exactly how he felt about him. Uh, it didn't go well after that, and it was uh, uh, not a happy time when he figured out that uh, the boys had got him with that one. I don't think he played many more games in the NHL after that, actually. <laughs> no, I can't imagine he would. Uh, so basically the beginning of the end of his career, courtesy of you guys. So. Well done there, but that's fantastic. That's a classic one. I'll have to ask Rick about uh, best prank he pulled in just a bit. You know, listen, uh, quick update around the NHL. We haven't had games since March 11th. We miss it desperately. We know you do as well. Uh, I think the least amount of games that any team has played is 68. So the regular season, whether they finish that or not, it's still up in the air. Uh, playoffs, this idea of potentially a centralized playoff, playing one in a particular city, uh, in a few arenas within that city has been thrown out there as well. There's a report out there that what's Grand Forks, North Dakota, Manchester, New Hampshire, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan are a few areas there uh, that potentially could be out there. Uh, I believe Bill Daly told ESPN that different sites are pitching them from around the country. So 
Keith Jones, since, you know, we're speculating, and this is more or less fantasy uh, because we don't know, is there a place, if you could just pick, where you would like to see a playoff game where you will probably never see one or wouldn't have seen one before this? Uh, I think Saskatchewan sounds like a great spot to be. There's, there's not a lot of people. Um, I think it'd be pretty easy to keep the guys isolated. You'd have to, your concerns would be hotels and accommodation. That's a lot of games to play uh, in one area. I, I do believe you, Liam, would need multiple spots in order to do it just because of availability with arenas. I, I think a team like a spot that's already exists in the NHL now being Vegas would be an ideal spot just because of the number of hotels are, that are there. Uh, so that would yes. make it uh, rather easy in that regard. The other thing you have to look for is maybe cities that have had, you know, an NHL team and a minor league team that play out of different arenas. It used to be that way in Philadelphia. It no longer is since they took the spectrum down. Uh, but that would be the type of situation I think would be ideal in this, in this scenario. I'll take hockey anywhere, though. Um, yeah. I think it would be made for television-type entertainment if, in fact, uh, we can get it back. I think it would be an incredible tournament rush to the finish. And I think we'd see games being played from 9 a.m. till you know, 1 a.m. in the morning, I mean, all day long. It would be pretty neat stuff. So fingers crossed that we get some hockey back. Exactly. I'm thinking any way we can get it. Uh, if it is empty arena, if it is centralized, I do like the idea of smaller venues, more intimate venues, because in many ways, if there are no fans there while you're watching from home, it's going to feel almost like you're eavesdropping on a situation. So I like that. But at this point, as you mentioned it, any way we can get it, I'd be happy with it. All right. Up next, we are going to talk with Arizona Coyotes head coach Rick Tockett will discuss not only his playing days, but what's going on right now with his team as they sit and And welcome back. Now very happy to be joined by Arizona Coyotes head coach, Jonesy's former teammate, Rick Tockett. Rick, it's great to see you. You know, Jonesy was just talking about the biggest prank that he pulled as a player. What's the biggest one that you were involved with? Yeah, um, first of all, pranks are very important during the year because you're together with each other all the time and a little comedy really uh, helps. That's why Jones is probably one of the best teammates I ever had. He was great at that. But we had a, uh, God rest his soul, uh, Greg Smith, a, a big defenseman, great guy. Uh, he was a rookie. And we, uh, we told him, uh, when you come over to Walden Bridge, uh, Bobby Clark had uh, got a new system now. All you have to do is when you come to the basket, you know, you put your change or your money in this hotel booth, all you have to yell to the, to into the basket, flyers, and the uh, arm will go up. Uh, you know, we have a special thing from the, uh, from the, the, you know, the city. So we, uh, he was with another rookie, and it's confirmed by the other rookie. He comes up, and he goes to the basket, and he yells, flyers. Well, the arm doesn't go up. So Greg's a very, you know, he's a very tough guy, boisterous guy. So he did it about three or four times. Now, this is Philly. People are lying there, honking the horn. They're giving the finger. Let's go. Let's go. So now the, the, one of the toll booth guys comes, comes out of his booth, comes out. Yeah, what's the problem here? And he goes, hey, I'm with the Flyers. I just yelled Flyers in the fastest. Get this effing thing, arm up. And the guy goes, well, I don't care who you play for. You got to put, at that time, it was a dollar. You got to put a dollar in that basket. So now Smith's getting out of this thing, arguing with this guy. He's going to fight this guy. He said, I'm going to tell Ed Snyder. And uh, I'm going to have your badge. <laughs> Badge number. So, anyways, finally the other rookie had to calm things down. I think Jones. I think he might have called Bobby Clark or something, and Clark he just said, "Put your money and get get to the rink." So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was one of the best pranks. Um, that's a legendary story because it's gone around to a lot 
I, I get young. I get the old. The young guys ask me about that, and I get the old guys ask me about it today. Uh, that one's fantastic. Uh, that is an that's an all timer, especially you can just see it in Philly. The people behind them. Come on, <laughs> all right, already. And now language, obviously, definitely not that polite. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's one of the things we all miss. Like we don't get to be around guys. You don't get to be around your team. So you know, we don't. You know get to rib each other, play pranks on each other. But uh, from your perspective right now, you know, what are you doing? How much communication do you have with your players? And how are you filling the time? Yeah, it's not a ton. I think you just, um, you know, after the first couple of weeks, I just want to see how they were doing their family. It's not about really hockey. Right? Where are you? Are you safe? What are you doing? Type of things. If you need anything, I know John Chica checks on a lot. Is there anything in the medical side? Like, you know, just little things like that we can need. Um, and then you saw obviously start, you know, the guys are interested to talk a little hockey. You know, what can you do? Um, I know guys, you know, some guys don't have gyms. You know, is there other ways you can improve your game? And I think you do, you have feedback. And then we had a little recap. You know, you do have a little recap. Some guys have, hey, I got to get better or, you know, the reasons why this and stuff like that. So I think that's healthy. I, I'm not sure that we're going to check it every day because um, I, I think, uh, but checking in with these guys just to, to make sure that they're okay is very important. How much, Rick, how much video work are you guys doing and scouting some of the teams that have been really successful this year and, and just really going over what your team has done so far? Yeah, John Trey had a really good exercise with his management team. and uh, I, I jumped on the call the other day. They watched the uh, 2016 uh, Penns Nashville playoff uh, finals. Uh, they'd watch a, the first game, and then they'd talk the next day about what did they see and, you know, those sort of things, characteristics. And then and they went all the way to game six, and then I jumped in on game six. It was really interesting to watch that. You know, I haven't watched that game in, in a long time um, just to get feedback. So that, that's an exercise. And, you know, it kind of put some ideas with me with uh, – and I've talked to a couple of players. Like, uh, you know, I talked to Jacob Chickren the other day, and he, he was talking about six on five. So I'm going to send him some clips and maybe, you know, whether you Zoom with a couple of guys and just talk about it. You know, or, you know it's very, very casual stuff, but I think it's very important to keep the juices going. Uh, when you're really at home doing nothing, um, you know, uh, other than being safe. Yeah, and I mean, this is a tricky time, obviously, from just a hockey perspective, because your team's played 70 games, four points out of playoff position, and it's really a great unknown. You know, will we return to hockey? If we do, will there be a regular season or will they go to the playoffs? Uh, I think I know where you would like that to be. You'd like the regular season, I'm assuming, to get back in there. With the limited amount of games that you potentially could have left and being four points out, I mean, let's say the regular season does get played out. Let's say that happens. How confident are you that your team could be in playoff position at the end? Yeah, it's unfortunate because before this, and, you know, it's not an excuse. You know, we had a real tough part of the schedule, and now the schedule kind of favors us. We had about eight or nine home games, um, and we we're, we we're putting some wins at home. We had a tough time on the road. So now, you know, we had some time in between games. This was kind of our – do we make our run? Can we rattle off six or seven wins? So that's the unfortunate part. But I do understand both sides. If you if you had to jump right into the first 16 teams that, you know, I get both sides. Um, it's unfortunate because this kind of – this schedule favors us now. And we don't get that advantage. So um, so I know people are kicking different er scenarios. And I, honestly, um, you know, the, the I'll, I can give you my opinion, but it, obviously the, the hierarchy is going to make that decision. Health-wise, talk. Where, where's your team at? Is there some players that would be available to you now, if uh, if in fact we do return? Yeah, um, you know, like uh, Garland's getting very healthy. Uh, 
Brad Richardson, same thing. So, you know, by the time this happens, we, we'd be pretty well full, uh, 100%. You know, Kepper would be 100%. Got Ranta, who, who, you know, those two guys are a backbone of our team. So, um, yeah, I guess a lot of teams could say the same thing, being fairly healthy. But we would definitely, you know, the, taking the negative of this, uh, we would be, uh, uh, the positive part, we would be healthy. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at your club and I see really two major questions. And the big question is the one we just addressed, the idea of being on the outside looking in. Will you get an opportunity to potentially yeah. play yourself in the play? The other big question, of course, is Taylor Hall, because your team made a big move. You trade for Taylor Hall, but his contract is up at the end of the year. You look ahead to next season. Do you see Taylor Hall being a member of your club? Well, you know, it's, it's a tough question because, you know, um, you know Taylor earned the right to, to, to go to free agency. And I talked the other day, um, you know, he just gives positive feedback. You know, he, 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 uh, he made some great points. Uh, he wants to come back. Um, but, you know, listen, he's got to test the market. He knows, you know, it, it's the unknown. You know, it's the unknown. Would I like to see him uh, Absolutely. There's unfinished business. I know he, he feels he can uh, – contribute uh, more to his game um, but he's a competitive guy you know he's a guy that uh, wants to win he wants to go somewhere that is pointing the right direction I mean I, I think we check a lot of the boxes that he wants to win so um, we'll see that's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of free agents there's a lot of questions with contracts right now it's a lot of the unknowns right now Talk. you played for the Phoenix Coyotes and now coaching the Arizona Coyotes. Other than the name, what's different? Where's hockey at right now in Arizona? Well, you know what? I, I think uh, they're starving for some kind of stability um, over the years. You know, you know, you guys lived at the, the question marks with ownership and are they going to move? And that takes its toll. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors, you know, uh, like came in about three years ago, you could, say, you could tell there was a lot of uneasiness, you know, if we're staying – and uh, I think John Chaykin's did a nice job trying to stabilize. He's, uh, he's, he's tried to, you know, he's, he's signed people long-term deals. Like, you know, the old kind of is they get rid of players because they just couldn't afford to keep them. Now we're starting to get some traction there. Uh, we're starting to play more important games uh, the last few years. And, you know, now there's another level. And the, and the, fa the fans are looking for something to grasp onto. They, they, they're looking for, you know, they're, they're looking, we're in a market that uh, if you don't win, I mean, people go golfing. It's nice weather. There's other things to do. You know, you got the Phoenix Suns, you got the Cardinals. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of different things to do. So, you, the, you know, we, we've, we've grasped the market the last year and a half because we're starting to play better. Uh, now we got to get the next level, and that's into the playoffs. Can we talk a little bit about your playing days? Already discussed the biggest and best prank you pulled on a teammate. I'm curious, you were a guy, you were a rugged player. Who was the one guy that you'd now look back and say, oh, man, I hated the idea of dropping the gloves with this guy? Well, there's a lot of guys. I mean, obviously, the late and great Bob Probert. I mean, uh, I remember going to Detroit. You know, when 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 I was locked up with him, we were fighting. It was like, you know, your 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 attention's there. You know, um, uh, but there's so many other. I was very lucky uh, to, to 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 as a rookie for about seven years. We had probably the toughest. You know, the Craig Brewies, the Dave Browns. Um, these guys were, you know, Glenn Cochran. These guys were men, and they could they could they could they could handle themselves. So I was very lucky to be in that environment. But to me, Dave Brown, you know, up there with the, the, the uh, you know, the Dave Brown, um, Bob Probert were scary guys. I mean, if you got in a fight with those guys, you know, you had to be prepared to, you know, at least you had to know what you're doing, put it that way. Or, or you do the old Josie, like, hey, Joe, the banana, slip on the banana peel, fall down, do the old <laughs> seatbelt, the seatbelt. 
uh, and then go down. But yeah, those guys were scary individuals for sure. Uh, Talk had a philosophy that he passed on to me, and uh, before I played with him, I played against him, and that was never fun. He never stopped. But your philosophy talk was when you fought somebody, you wanted to make sure they didn't want to fight you again. I watched that Probert fight. You headbutted him twice in that <laughs> fight. But how well did that uh, philosophy serve you? You were a tough guy to play against. Well, the, the only thing with fight, like, you know, listen, I handled myself. But the, the one thing I, I felt that a good advantage is that if I, you know, you're, you, you know, if you're over your head, I, I could have been able to, I could grab on a guy and hold it. I'm a strong guy. So it wasn't like I was ever in danger. Like, if you fight those guys, if you, you know, you didn't want to trade punches, whatever, because this guy's a better puncher than you. Like, I, I was good at holding on to a guy fairly calm. Like, a, you know, they always talk to those UFC fighters. They get on the bottom of the pile, all those great UFC. They don't panic. They breathe. And that's the one thing I could be able to do. But, you know, you fight guys like Craig Ruby and those guys. And you start swinging with those guys. You've ever prepared, you know, there's some date. You, you know, you, there could be night, uh, you could be lights out uh, very quickly. So that's the one thing. I did have the advantage of being able to grab a guy and hold on, if I had to. Yeah, I think to paraphrase Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until Craig Garubi hits you in the face. And then the plan yeah. is right out the window. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I, I remember Craig Garubi fight Ty Domi about four times. I remember, and they, and they talked today, that, you know, Ty's a great guy. And uh, I remember after the fight, after the second period, Chief comes in the dressing room and goes, I'm not fighting this guy anymore. I hit, and he literally hit this guy, Ty, with 30 punches. We counted. I'm, I'm not saying everything was a, was a great uh, punch, but... And he said, I'm done. You can't hurt that melon. I can't, I can't, hurt, I can't hurt that head. He goes, I'm done fighting that guy. So that was pretty funny. Let's go from uh, tough guys to some of the greats of all time because uh, you played with them. You played against them. Uh, so if you were drafting a team right now, any player, any era, the number one pick for you would be who? Yeah, that's a, that's a great I, – I, I have to go – you know, it's the 1A, 1B um, – it's Gretzky and Lemieux um, for me. I mean, uh, both, uh, both to me, uh, I've been in moments, played with those guys in these moments and watched those guys, how they, uh, they seized the moment, uh, the way they acted in the dressing room, the way they, uh, they acted with people in the public. Uh, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's those two guys but for me. Um, there's so many great players I coach and played against, you know, obviously Sidney Crosby, Joe Sacco when I was in Colorado, guys like that, but, when you talk about Lumiere and Gretzky uh, in the moments uh, and to, to put up the numbers they have, is, it's to me that's legendary. Did you ever think to yourself that you'd be playing with two of the best players in the history of the game? You're line mates with both guys, and so much of that had to do with your style of play and your ability to score goals, too. It's not easy to stay on the top line, but you did it throughout your career. What was the secret? You know, fit the puzzle. You know, if, if you look at Mary or Wayne, uh, and they'll tell you today that they, they wanted to play with north-south guys. I mean, it's no difference, Jonesy, when you play with uh, Lindros and Renberg, you fit the role as that guy would go to the net, dish the puck, give and go. And I think, you know, if you can it, survive to be a top guy in your role, you have to do it to the best. You know, you have to be that north-south guy. Uh, you know, they don't need east-west. They don't need a guy holding on the puck, and they don't need a guy, you know, circling back. They just need a guy to give them the puck, go through, cause havoc, go through the – I call it go through the box, be in firm in that – uh, that's when they're at their best. So if, you could, if you're, as a player, be able to do that, you, you'd stick on that line. If you weren't, um, you know, that, that's when you have problems. So I think just knowing my role and being a puzzle on that line. All right, let's go from great players to great games. The greatest game you were involved with as a player? Oh, wow. Um, 
Well, for me, it had to be the 87 Canada Cup um, just because of the, the Russian Canada, who was the better country with hockey. Uh, there was, you know, there was still communism in, 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 uh, in Russia there. Uh, there was communism. And yet Canada, the free country, it was just, I don't know, it was just, it was a big buildup. Um, um, the games were 6-5. It was three games. They're all 6-5. Uh, every shift was a, there was a penalty. that There would be a penalty today. I mean, it was, it was actually kind of vicious hockey. Uh, but there was the up and down, the, the tempo of it up and down. I mean, I, I, I didn't play a ton, but I, was on, I had the best seat in the house. And I'll tell you what, it was some great hockey. And what I really, and I try to explain to players today, there's certain times in a game you have to take a role. When you have Dale Harachuk and you have Doug Mil, uh, Gilmore taking a fourth-line role or a checking role when they needed to be, and, they, and they, they filled that role for us to win, that just goes to show you what, what team is about. Um, as you know, it, no different than guys today. You know, there's certain times in a game you have to play a different role, um, and that's being a good teammate. So um, that's probably the greatest game, just just because of the flavor of the two countries and the intensity of the games. I, I watched that game talk. I was playing junior B hockey in Niagara Falls, and I was glued to my television set. Yeah. Never imagined one day be playing with uh, some of those guys on the ice, including yourself. What about our five-overtime game uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins? What's uh, memories of that one? Yeah, that's, uh, that's up there in my top ten for sure. Just, just the uh, battle attrition, right? Just it's every – you know, it's coming in the locker room. Um, every, every, you know, every period, like, you know, everybody didn't want to make that mistake. So if you look at the game, there was a lot of – anytime a guy had a puck, there was five guys around him. There wasn't a lot of room out there. And obviously, it, take the, it took a, a phenomenal play by Keith Primo to, to win it. But um, saying that, we always talk about that, Jonesy, the Chief. Um, I remember, like, in those tense moments, and, and I love players like that, there's a little bit of humor still in there. Like, and Jonesy, you know, I, I still – it was it actually the pizza thing where Jonesy comes in. Uh, we're all, you know, I think it was, it was after the fourth overtime. And you guys are tired. John LeClaire was getting an IV. Some guys were exhausted. And I remember Jonesy coming out, he had his shirt off and he had the gut out and he had the pizza in his mouth and he put the sauce around his face and he said, well, boys, I'm like a bear. I've been hibernating this whole game. I'm going to come out here and I'm going to win this game. And if you, the whole reaction, even Johnny O'Clair was exhausted. He starts laughing. And I'm not saying it could have been a major reason why we won the game, but I love the humor in tense moments. And that really, it kind of, it kind of loosened the team up. And Jonesy, I, 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 to this day, I can remember you had that, pizza sauce all over your mouth. I'm like a bear. And, uh, I, I've been hibernating the whole game. I, I never laughed so hard in my life. It was, it was the only food left, Liam, in the entire building. <laughs> I mean, the, the concessions were out of food. No one had uh, anything else to eat. So uh, we did enjoy that. That was my, that was my favorite game to play, too. I, I didn't get a shot on goal. I, we have game sheets that were given to all of us. They talk. I'm the only guy that's got a blank slate all the way across except for a plus one because I was on the ice there actually trying to change to let talk come on the ice when the goal was scored by Primo. We had uh, we had a blast with that. That tied the series 2-2, and then we won the next two games after that. Yeah. We knew we had them after that point. Yarmer uh, Yager's legs were going to fall off after that uh, five-overtime game. Liam, uh, Yager's a, a buddy of mine. Uh, you know, I, 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 when I played with him, I still talk once in a while, but I remember he we talked to, you know, the, uh, this was a couple years Said, uh, that Keith Jones, I love that guy. He's a crazy guy. I go, why? He goes, well, Jones, I think it was after the second overtime. He went to their bench. He put his leg on their bench. He starts stretching. <laughs> he still stretches and going to the bench. Hey, Yogs, how you doing, buddy? Everything all right? 
how's the, I think you said, how's the market doing? Um, how's the stock market? And, uh, I, and I remember Yager uh, telling me, he said, their whole bunch didn't know whether to laugh or get mad at Jonesy. Um, but that, I, I just remember that Yager's telling me, that Jonesy, he's crazy. No, he's, he's the perfect guy to cut the tension. I, I mean, the first Stanley Cup final I did, I got to do the first couple of games of the Vancouver-Boston series. Yeah. And, you know, listen, I, I was nervous. I'm tense. This is a big moment for me. If I screw this up, I'm going back to, you know, market. <laughs> uh, and Jonesy's out there right before. They're counting us down. We're in the arena. It's going crazy. And they're like, all right, you're on in three, two. He looks, don't worry. Nobody's watching. <laughs> <laughs> And we're on. So, but he's perfect that way. And you know what? You had a brief stint, right? You had a brief stint broadcasting. And, yeah. Uh, you were doing some games, uh, some Flyers coverage. Did you get advice from Josie? Yeah, so I was doing the pre, pre, uh, pre and post game. So Josie used to do that years ago until he became a media star. That'd be safe. <laughs> so uh, in the NHL, so, you know, Josie's very poisoned. I, 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 I saw Josie one day at the beginning of Josie. Like, I'm stumbling around with him. I'm like, you know, you give you, you know, 30 seconds, that red light goes on. I was bubbling. He goes, hey, listen, just keep your, keep your ties straight. He said, just start flapping your gums. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Just keep your – I remember that. And he walked away. I got to go. And that was his advice. So, I, I, uh, good advice, though. I tried to keep my uh, tie straight. I think it's better advice than uh, – didn't Milbury give Bob McKenzie the advice? Remember, when that red light goes on, there are no teammates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, uh, well, listen, I mean, it's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, you know, we can't wait to see you coaching again, see your team play again. Uh, but, you know, in the meantime, stay safe and uh, stay healthy. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, I miss watching you guys late at night, you know, when I after our game. So, I, uh, you know, the, 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 the recap of the, re the, the reruns and stuff. So I appreciate that. Miss you guys. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Our Line Starts for Hockey Happy Hour. I'm Liam Q, Keith Jones, and a special thanks to Arizona Coyotes head coach Rick Cobb.